probably my favorite topic I've ever talked about. It's just fun talking about mystery. I think everyone, you know, when they found out every time about mystery, was like, okay, this should be one of those interesting Sundays. So what we got here is week three, with the candles, of course, the candles are supposed to be symbolic of hope, so each week we kind of light a candle. So the first week we talked about waiting. Last week, we talked about mystery. I'm always so nervous. Here we go. And this week, we're going to talk about something different. We're going to talk about the Incarnation. Everyone goes, wow, another really exciting topic. So do we believe in the Incarnation? Or are we Christian here? Okay. I promise you, if you're Christian, then you know it's, it is part of our doctrine. We do believe in the Incarnation. We're going to talk about that this morning. Kind of open up a little bit. But so far this week, well, this month, the first week we want to open up the idea of waiting. You know, the whole, the whole concept, the, the, the motor behind Advent is this. If we really expect something, it determines our lives. It determines the way, the, way, the way we live. So what happens with Advent is it challenges us with that question. What are you waiting for? And we learned in week one that, you know, if we believe that something bad is coming, and, and, and the expectations we have for God or the future for eternity, for heaven or for hell is negative, and we fill our lives with things to distract us. Secondly, we learn that if we don't expect anything, if we really believe in the deepest part of who we are, this whole thing is just kind of a root, it's kind of a myth, then we find something else of this life, of this world to live in. Whether it's work or for money or a hobby or you know your family, whatever it is, if we don't believe there's a life after this life, if we don't really believe that there's a King Jesus coming back for us, then we live for something of this lifetime, something of this world. But the way it should be is that we're so convinced that there's something good coming around the corner. There is something better coming for us. And when that takes place, that everything in our life is built around the one priority of waiting for God. And there's a tension in life. There's, a, there's an anticipation. There's a dissatisfaction with anything in this world when you're waiting for this. In the last week, I talked about something a little fun. We talked about mystery. We talked about how with God, one of the most dangerous things we do is we make it important. Find ways to take the creator of the universe, the one who gave us breath, the one who made everything that we see today, the one who gave us the ability to think and to, to feel and to communicate, to connect. And we take him and we just compress him, put him in this box, and he becomes something silly, something ordinary. He becomes just my way to get saved. He becomes my ticket to heaven. He becomes the reason I tithe or the reason I go to church. If we find this way to, to kind of master find a way to get him just before he's comfortable enough to fit into our But mystery, being constantly reminded, looking at him so intently, and realizing that you will never ever fully comprehend all of who he is. Allowing yourself to see God as God is. Allowing yourself to be put in a place where you realize you are this, he is that. It flips everything that we practice. But what's funky about this week with the Incarnation, it's the opposite of mystery. What's so funky about this topic this week is that last week we talked about what happens whenever we try to subdue God. We try to put Him in a box. 
we're going to talk about what happens when God chooses to bring himself down. I shall get what I'm talking about now. The problem with most of us is that we are the ones trying to subdue the master of God. We're the ones who are trying to get him to fit into the corner, into the closet of our lives. We're the ones trying to get God to fit into Sunday mornings. Okay, does that make more sense to anybody? Okay. Yeah? You guys are dead this morning. It's not going to work. I will talk at you and ask you questions until you respond. Okay. Amen. We have a life in this building. Okay, here we go. The problem with most of us is this. We want God to fit into our lives. We're trying to compress Him, to control Him. We want to be the master. We want to be the Lord. We want to be the King. We want to get from God what we want and not give Him what He demands. And the problem with God is this. The problem with Jesus is very simple. His title is Savior, Lord, Messiah. Meaning, you like the Savior. We all like the Savior. That's great. We all love Savior Jesus. The part we don't like is King Jesus. Master Jesus. And the problem is, is that it's very difficult to find a way to get Jesus to just be Savior. To just be the answer to my finances. To just be the answer to my marriage. To just be that peace that's going to make my life better than that. But it gets uncomfortable when you start getting the other part of Jesus. When we start saying, no, 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 no. But I'm your I'm the king of this life. I'm your Lord. I'm the master. And this is the part where we start going, yeah, I don't know how to make that picture. And so when we choose, when we feel the freedom to compress him, to shrink him, and to create in, you know, this little figurine, if you would, that we miss out on who he is. Because the richest relationships are the ones where we actually accept people for who they are. And the problem with Jesus is to accept Jesus for who he is, to truly have a relationship with who he is, to realize that he does not fit the way we want him to fit. Once we accept this, once we're willing to be uncomfortable, once we're willing to look at the scriptures and to engage us and say, you know what? I'm going to fit into you. My life is in Christ, not Christ in me. It's the opposite. Yes, Christ comes in you, but Christ comes in you. He takes over you. He's masterpiece. When I choose to accept that, now something beautiful happens next. Once I'm willing, to meet him on his terms, then all of a sudden we get kind of challenged with the next piece of Jesus. Once we're willing to accept Jesus as King and Lord and Creator of the universe, once we're willing to accept Jesus as the Lion of Judah, then we're able to accept him also as the Lamb of the Son. Once we accept him as the King who sits on the throne, now we get to accept him as the baby. That's what I'm talking about. It is a dangerous thing for us to begin to try to subdue God and to shrink Him, to make Him small, to make Him manageable. But there's beauty when God chooses to make Himself approachable, understandable. And so this is the this is part of the mystery of Jesus. This is part of the mystery, the confusion about what God was doing when He came in this form. 
And so this part, this, this Sunday, should challenge us in a completely different way. Last Sunday should challenge us to step back and to accept all to even accept the, the wisdom of the fear of the Lord again. But this Sunday is going to challenge us. It's going to challenge us to approach a king and a God who is willing to make himself so You guys in your minds, let's go to the book of John. John chapter 1, verse 1. This entire series, uh, we've been using the message Bible, the entire point of this is, is again, uh, we've heard this so many times. We've, we've had it ingrained in us so many times that we think we've got it mastered. We think we already know what it says before we can So with the message Bible, Eugene Peterson, the, you know, the one who wrote this, he did a terrific job pulling out the heart of every passage and slapping in your face with it. I love it. Okay. I just love getting slapped in It's beautiful. <laughs> what happens with this is, you know, you approach this, this version for a million times, but okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's the baby's point And again, you just need to just be reminded that you don't have to figure out. That we don't have Jesus figured out. We don't have Jesus. He's not so simple and so ordinary and so familiar that he is. Oh, it's Christmas again. We're going to sing those songs. No, that's true. John chapter 1, verse 1. We are going to read for a while, so stay with me here. Here we go. The Word was first. The Word present to God. God present to the Word. The Word was God in readiness for God. Everything was created through Him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being. What came into existence was life. And the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out in the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. There once was a man whose name was John, sent by God to point out the way to the light. He came to show everyone where to look, who to believe. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into life. He was in the world. The world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was to be claimed, and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God's self. These are the God of God, not the blood of God, not flesh of God, not sex of God. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one of kind, life Father, life Son. Generous inside and out, true from start. That felt like an entirely new. <laughs> yeah. You're like, that I've never even heard that. That's not the same thing at all. All the way it is. It's just a question. <sighs> the passage starts out very clearly. The first thing John is trying to establish is that this, this, this word became flesh. This Jesus, this Jesus is God. The fact that we can even say that is coming just like that is frustrating. Why is that 
Because you know he's the only one who can get all the time. He should give up his ability and right to even stay God, to keep distance. And he would choose to humble himself and pursue us. Jesus was God. God was Jesus in the beginning. Jesus even created the universe. Again, I'm going to paraphrase John 1 through 5. And even though Jesus was God, he humbles himself and pursues us. But he turned this entire idea of Christmas and the story of Jesus coming in the flesh, and we just make this cute little nativity scene. Um, and we think that's what you do in your mind, too. It's not just on your yard, okay, on your table. Okay, we turn into this cute little story. We say, hey, Jesus, and there's cows around. Yeah, I mean, come on. And we do this in our minds. It just becomes this cheap thing that we can cast aside, you know, come January. We're going to take the pity scene and throw it back in the It's exactly what we do. We take God and shrink Him. We make Him trite and ordinary. Beauty of the manger is that God is the one who chooses to take us, not us. On his own timetable, when he chose fit, he chooses terms, and he chooses to leave everything that he has a right to, to claim, and to pursue us. And to pursue us in a way that makes no earthly sense. None. Now, now, if you're going to understand the Incarnation, there are three things you have to understand. Here's the first one. For you to understand the Incarnation, you have to understand the smallness. The smallness. Here's what I mean by this, okay? The Incarnation is where God chooses smallness. It is where the God of mystery, might, and wonder removes any doubt of His intentions. He desires to who has ever had a child in your home? Okay, I mean, uh, from ages one to like about seven. Anyone have experience with the babies? Okay. The first time you meet them, you walk up to a child and say, Hey man, how's it going? What do you want to do? How's the child react? Yeah, scream, like, grab their parents' leg, you know, like, you know, cry. When you want to meet a child, what you do is you make yourself You come down to the level. You make eye contact. Have you ever experienced Apparently you guys are terrible with kids. Okay. If you're good with kids, you will learn to make yourself small. Okay? To not be intimidating or foreign or threatening. Okay? You shrink your socks. Men, it's the opposite of what you do when you make Okay. It's the opposite of what guys do at the gym. Bunch of gorillas, right? <laughs> you know, everyone grows last at the gym. Everyone just spreads out the shoulders, okay? It's the opposite, okay? Whenever men are trying to, you know, to exert dominance and attention to each other, we stand up straight, we extend our shoulders, we pop our arms back, we try to make ourselves appear bigger, okay, than we are. But yet, if you want to make a connection, especially with someone who's younger or smaller or frailer, who's not as powerful or as big as you, make yourselves. If you want, if you truly desire to connect with that child, if you 
want that child to feel as if he can or she can come to you, you will make yourself small. See, all too often we want to skip that Christmas time straight to the cross and miss all of the depth and beauty that takes place in the nature. We see the nature of who God is in this choice. If He didn't really care about you, if He didn't really want to bless you, if all the stuff is just smokescreen, okay? if He's really this angry, bitter, terrible God who's to be feared only, why would He make Himself? Why would he come down like four, you know, with thunder and lightning? Which, by the way, he's done that before. Read the Old Testament, okay? Why wouldn't he come, you know, in a pillar of fire? Why wouldn't he come and say, hey, guess what, guys? I'm God. So, make things right. Humble yourself, get right, because I'm right and wrong. Let's just get something going. He, his intentions are made so clear. This decision to be made small. Let me explain something to you. This is not just an act of weakness. This is also an act of power. In this world that you live in today, the most powerful things are things that contain energy and force in a small size. Those are the most powerful things in this world. A nuclear bomb is not powerful because it's got, you know, storehouses of you know, explosives. It's dangerous and powerful because there's so much potential in such a small For God to take himself, I mean, just use your imagination, Steve. For God to take himself, if he were a human, if he were tall, okay, let's say he would be what? Light years tall. <laughs> use your imagination, okay? And to shrink himself. This is not just an idea which it is, it's also an expression of great power. Those who have the most power have the strength. So if you want to understand the information, you have to understand the smallness. It shows his intentions. He desires to be, to, he desires for us to come here. If he didn't truly desire, if the intent was just to come back, just come, to just be God, to just have victory, to just show His power. If He didn't really care about us, He would never have chosen to make Himself small. Here's the second thing. To understand the incarnation, you have to understand the nearness. In Emmanuel, we learn that we are alone no more. His choice to meet us in the darkness confirms in us that His nearness will never leave. Loneliness will forever be a thing. Like we talked about last week, if President Obama were to call you tonight and say, hey, I like that breakfast in the house tomorrow. It doesn't matter what you think about the guy. You know, I know what happened, guys. You tell me all the time. Okay. It doesn't matter what your opinion is of him. The fact that with his stature, his powers before you, the fact that he would want to be near to you would blow you away. And you would reorganize your entire house. You would read, you know, keep calling and work sick. Whatever you have to do to make room to meet this person. And again, what's, what's, so, what's so powerful about that, about this birth, is it challenges us. Are we making room to meet them? What's so challenging about this is he comes in the opposite form we would expect him to come. He comes to the most powerless 
weakest form we can get. The most vulnerable form we could ever imagine. As an infant, as a child, he's born into this world, powerless, seemingly, to our eyes, unable to defend himself, to wipe his own butt. By the way, he was a baby, he pooped. Everyone goes, oh. He ate, he had to be fed, he couldn't feed himself.
understand that I'm going to challenge you some bubbles today. I apologize for popping bubbles. So you do understand that Jesus was born, right? Okay. Who has been brave enough to watch birth? Anybody? Okay. Would you be honest this morning and say there's nothing pretty about it? We can sing and be sweet and say, oh, it's a beautiful thing. You know, that's a beauty of life. You know, oh, I don't like life with a family when it comes out. Okay, let's, let's just be honest, okay? There's nothing, there's pain involved. There's danger involved. You know, birthing is not a clean, safe process. Definitely. I love this. Again, it's not all right to clean up what happened. It's not all right to take what the scriptures show us and make this beautiful, safe little kind of thing we put on our shelves. Oh, see, you know, there's Jesus in the manger, you know, and he thought, well, he didn't He didn't come out that way. This is crucial. That God would humble himself to go through this, to, to submit himself. Here's a very stupid, silly thing, okay? Frozen above. Or you're coming to your home instead of your couch. Have you in the room with Philip Harris? You wouldn't feel like your house is clean enough, or nice enough, or the furniture is expensive enough. You would be embarrassed if you had to be in that place. Whatever else you pass Most of our kids were from the other side of the tracks. And, you know, if you don't know Alma, you wouldn't think it, but it has quite a rough side of town. There's Lots of drugs and poverty and violence, and there's lots of stuff going on in there. But we had most of those kids. And so, whenever I would come over to their house, I'd kind of, you know, I'd invite myself over because they never invite me. <laughs> so the parents would come over and get to know them. And you could just see them cringe. You know, it's like when I would walk through their, their house and sit on the couch, you could tell that they were so embarrassed that I would have to be subjected to their, you know, trailer, you know, park, whatever. Think about this, that God would be subjected to the mess that is this world. The physical picture we have of birth is a real picture more of the, the pain and the loss and the agony and just the perversion that this world really is, that God would come into this place. Prophet Isaiah he prophesied that they have seen the great light, that those in darkness have seen the great light. This is the mess. It's not that he it's not that he waited for us to clean up the house to make things right, and then he sails in here and he makes everything, oh, I'm King Jesus. It's that before we could ever clean up the mess, before we could ever make things right, he came right to them. It's that light he made them. Again, you know, this, there's so much in this that should inspire confidence in who Jesus is. One of the hardest things in counseling is that most people come in, the big obstacle is if myself or the pastors has not gone through what they've gone through, it's very difficult for them to believe that, that we could ever understand. You know, if, if I haven't had a drug addiction, it's hard for them to imagine that they help them in drugs. To a certain extent, there's, there's a full right for them to believe that. What's beautiful about this is there's no place for us to look at Jesus and say, well, 
fewer emotions. He chose to be born not just into weakness and to filth, but he chose to be born into every form of oppression, pain, addiction, sin, loss, hurt. He chose to go through every possible path to be in every possible you know, set of shoes, if you would, he, that could exist. He is the only one who we can put full confidence in, knowing that he knows go. And what kind of God is that? I mean, surely if you showed up here with fire and lightning, like, surely you can help us. But to be able to put confidence in someone who is not only powerful, he doesn't only have the ability to help us, but he knows exactly what we're going through and why. When we start talking about grace and about forgiveness and mercy, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. We picture a guy who's up in the sky and he's perfect and everything's, you know, the sun, you know, the sun's always shining, never rains like today. You know, it's, it's all clouds and, you know, it's like the Bahamas up in heaven, apparently, whatever. Come on, man. <laughs> you all have that picture, okay? It's, it's goofy, but we've all got it. Chariot, there you go. Little baby arms. It's crazy to think about what these things come from. Anyway. He would humble himself. He would make himself small and come near to us. And, and we 
be willing to be in what we're in is that he is fully approaching. That needs to speak to you. That we have a God who is willing to be made approachable. There are many similarities between the picture of God that we have and the one of Islam. We have lots of same roots in Judaism. But they have no picture of God like this. There's no picture of weakness. There's no picture of vulnerability. There's no picture of humility. There's no picture of him choosing to pursue first. This is unique to alcohol, to our faith. There's no other group on the earth that has hope and faith in a God that loves so and that trusts so and that pursues us so hard that he would come in this humiliating, weak, fragile way. And so the main thing that challenges us is it says, if we're not choosing to approach us, if we're not choosing to approach Jesus, if, if we're choosing to keep our distance, then it's all on us. Because he has no purpose. We're choosing to stay away. We're choosing to, you know, to, to, to keep our space. It's all on us. Because he is fully approaching. And his intent is made clear. You would never fear harm 